Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Uh, I want to get Dr. Cloud right up here and uh, we're going to have a great conversation. I believe it's really going to bless you and help you and, and bring transformation changes into your life and family changes that heal. So come on right now. Give it up for Dr. Henry Cloud. Come on up, Dr. Cloud. We love, love, love Dr. Cloud. Hey, guys. Hey guys, hey Stovall, I, I, was, I was informed by a few people, um, you know, you're supposed to confess your sins and confess your faults. So just so I won't get emails later, somebody let me know my pants are ripped. So I just want to confess I'm wearing ripped jeans and I'm sorry. <laughs> Chalk it up to the time change. You just didn't notice it. I didn't have time to get up and sew them this morning. <laughs> oh, oh well. You're uh, here. Here's what we're gonna gonna do today, and we're we're gonna have uh, all the content uh, from uh, yesterday available uh, for you guys on the website. But uh, Dr. Cloud, he's such a blessing to the body of Christ in so many ways. And I really encourage you to get as many resources as you can. Our church is going to be using all of these resources in a lot of different ways, and we'll talk about that uh, a couple of from in, in a couple of Sundays from now. But I want to pray, and uh, and and Dr. Cloud, I want to just dive in and start asking you questions. So, Father, we just thank you for today, Lord. We thank you, uh, Lord, that you love us, Lord, and you have a, a heart, Lord, for us to be whole. We are your people, Lord. We are your body. Give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, I wanna get to that two types of sin in just a moment, but I wanna start where, does that, does that intrigue y'all right there, the two types of sin or function? I wanna, I wanna start. Uh, we were with, talking in the back, so Stovall said he needed some more sin. I said, well, you know, there's two types. There's so. two types, so we'll, we'll get to those. But hey, to, Dr. Cloud, um, you know, talking about wholeness in the body, which has been a big theme of ours this year, wholeness in the body, the body healing itself. What would, what would you say? What does a healing body look like? What does a, what does a healing body look like? Well, you know, we throw that term around like, you know, the body of Christ and all this. And, and, and one day I just kind of wondered, why did, why did God use that metaphor for, for his company? <laughs> God started a business, right? And why did he use that metaphor? And so I decided I was going to go try to figure that out and learn about that. And so I didn't go to theology. I went to anatomy and physiology and neuroscience and neurobiology and all of that to find out what he meant. What does he mean when he says a body? And it, it was amazing because what God has done with your body is exactly what a body needs to do. It's what a company needs to do. It's what a family needs to do. What he did was he put this, this group together <laughs> And he starts out, and what, you know, the difference in, you know what the difference is in you and a German shepherd? A German shepherd barks. 
but you've never seen a German shepherd that barked and then sat back and said, I wonder if that was helpful. <laughs> Did I bark at the right time? Did, is that bark going to get me closer to where I want to be on Thursday? See, they don't have the capacity to get above what they do instinctually. And we're like that. See, a lot of humans are German shepherds. They haven't had the awakening, the calling of something transcendent to their instinctual patterns. Patterns they've learned in their dysfunctional families. Patterns we've learned, you know. And what God says, what he does is, look, if we're, he designed us, your, your body, the first capacity you have the German shepherd doesn't have is, where do I want to be on Thursday? You get out of just the moment and reacting. And, and you, a prefrontal cortex, that part of your brain, it comes up with, with what I like to call a desired future state. So if I'm, sit, if I'm sitting here and I think, you know, I could talk to y'all better if I were standing over there. That's, your brain has a capacity to see a vision. The promised land. What you want your family to look like. What you want your, your marriage to look like. What you want your health to look like. And so you see this, and so your brain gets this clarity of, you know what, it'd be better if we had a church like that. And then the brain goes, okay, I'm going over there. The brain can't move itself over there. So what the brain does, the second thing it does is it immediately engages the talent that it's going to need to get over there. So it sends out signals and it says, I'm going to need a couple of legs. I'm going to need some eyes to focus. I'm going to need an inner ear to balance me. I'm going to need a heart to pump some oxygen. So it puts a team together. And each one of those members has a different part. So everybody in this room and everybody listening, you have a gift. You have a talent. And to make a body work, the leadership that came up with the vision, they say, come on, let's go. And so after you, everybody says, okay, everybody's going to play a part in this, then you, then you go over there, right? Well, not so fast. How am I going to get there? And your, 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 your brain says, well, I need a strategy. What's my strategy? Am I going to hop? Am I going to ride a bike? Am I going to skip? Am I going to roll? It says, no, I think the best strategy to get from here to there, given our context and everything, we, I'm going to walk and we have a plan. And we'll take four steps and it takes a certain amount of time. And so then we set out. You start to walk, right? I'm going to get there. Whoa, what happened? God has built into this body a measurement system to ask, are we doing what we said we were going to do? I said I was going to walk there. No, I'm headed off course. And it holds me accountable. And then it fixes that real quickly. Now you talk about what you're going to do to build a heal or even your own families. You start with a pretty clear idea of what do we want it to look like? Martin Luther King said, I see a day when a man is judged by the quality of his character and not the color of his skin. That's, That's a vision. But you know what? We're going to have to organize some talent and get a plan to pull that off. Each one of you has that. You have it for your family. You have it for the summer vacation. I sit my kids down. And we say, okay, what's our vision? What's our vision for the summer? In September, we want to look back. What did we accomplish? What did we do? Where are we? And everybody's got a role in that. That's how you do it. And, and talk to them about the, you know, like a, 
how, how you, you were studying that and how the body actually heals itself, you know, when we get an infection or we get a... Yeah, can, 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 um, can I give the example about me? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I'm floating along in college and I hit the pavement and I got really depressed and, at, um, you know, I had this, 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 I was recruited, you know, to college to, to play golf, but I hurt my hand. I had a hand injury right kind of early on and my game really suffered. I didn't play well. I had so much pain, and by year two, I, I couldn't hold a golf club, and I had to quit. And I got really depressed, and I had had a breakup with a girlfriend, and you know, just stuff. And my life was over, and I got really depressed. And I'm sitting in my dorm room one day, and I'm thinking about life. Like, how do you how do you do this? I was so depressed, I couldn't function. I was, you know, couldn't get up to go to class. I, I, and I'm thinking about how do you find a relationship that's ever going to work? How do you pull that off? How do you find what you're going to do in a career? How do you make all this, this stuff work? And I'm sitting there and I hadn't, I hadn't even looked at my Bible since who knows when, certainly not since I'd been in college. But it was sitting up on the, and I'm just sitting there on my bed, and I look up on the bookshelf, and, and there's a, a Bible there, and I felt something kind of, maybe I should look, and I pulled it off, and I just randomly opened it up, and, and this verse popped out. I wasn't looking for the verse. I didn't even know where it was. I just opened it up. This verse popped out, and it said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I did then, not know that <laughs> until this morning. A, yeah, I have a I, long history with that scripture. And you know the second part of it is? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you as well. And so I go, all these things, like how do I find out what I'm supposed to be doing? How do I get undepressed? Relationship, all this stuff. You gotta seek God. Well, how do I do that? Well, I figure you can't do this in a dorm room. So I walked across campus and I went in this empty chapel and I walked down to the front and I said, God, I don't even know if you're there, but I need help. Help me. <laughs> I'll do anything you tell me, just help me. And I knew at that moment I had taken a different kind of step. I mean, I had gone to church before and I had prayed and I believed in God. But that, was, that moment was like jumping out of the airplane. If that chute doesn't open, I knew for the first time I was going to really depend on, if God doesn't do this, I'm going splat. He was my last shot. <laughs> and so I did this and I'll never forget, nothing happened. Is the worst moment, because I had seen on TV, people go to the altar, they get zapped. <laughs> you know, they fall out, they get healed, they throw their chairs, crutches away, and all this. Nothing happened. And it was the worst, loneliest moment. And I just said, and I don't know why I remember this. I don't know if I said it out loud, but it's like, okay, call me. <laughs> right? I go back to my dorm room, and the phone rings. And it's a fraternity brother of mine. And he says, I don't know why I thought of you. You're the last person I would have thought to invite. 
He said, but we're starting a Bible study in the fraternity house, and I want you to come. I said, okay, because that's maybe the, (laughs) I mean, the phone rang. So, (laughs) hey, God hears your cry. Yeah, God hears your cry. That's right. That's right. If it hadn't been for that phone call, I sure wouldn't be sitting here today. And so I go to this Bible study and this guy was leading it who was in seminary and, and, you know, I'm trying to learn about this and then it it kind of becomes a small group. About after a month, I'm still really depressed and I go to this, you know, he's a pastor type and, and I'm pouring my heart out about this depression. I ask God to heal me. I don't know if God's there. I ask him to heal me and he hadn't, I can't. And I'll never forget this. He said, well, God uses people too. And I said, well, that's a bailout. <laughs> God uses it. Come on, I want God to do something. And he said, I want you to, you know, we're, we, you know we've got this, this support group. I want you to come in. We're going to go through some materials, and I'm going to disciple you. And, and so I got involved in this group and this, this small spiritual, you know, uh, sort of community of friends. And, and they started working on my life. You know, and I started learning the scriptures and they supported me and they, they made me like, like grieve all this pain that I was, had lost and all this kind of stuff. And, and they were confronting me and showing me how I was an idiot in so many ways. And, you, and, 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 so, and then, they, then they said, but you know what? In our discussions, it seems like, it seems like you've got a gift. It like, seems like you see things in the scriptures sometimes that apply to life. They did, they, 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 they said that. I was an accounting and finance major. Talk about being out of touch. <laughs> and, they, and, and so they started giving me some books on, on counseling. And they said, maybe you should, you know, and I started reading stuff and, I, and then I started taking a few courses and then, you know, they were uh, making me go share my faith. And, I, and so anyway, long story short, I, I, I get in this process about a year later, I was in my apartment in Dallas. I went to SMU. And I remember waking up one morning. It was a Saturday morning. I woke up and, I, and this thought hit me. And it was, I'm not depressed anymore. And I started thinking about my life and all this stuff I was involved in now and how rich and full it was and my friends and how they loved me. And I said, God, thank you for all this. And I said, but I wish you had done it. <laughs> I still wanted the zapping, right? And I said, but, you know, thank you for, I mean, I guess God uses people too, plan B. (laughs) So then he led me to the scripture. It's out of Ephesians 4, and it says that connected to the head, Jesus, the whole body connected through every joint and sinew, the whole body heals itself as God is the head. It heals itself. And then it says, it heals itself as each part does its work. And I realized I was wrong. God uses people too. That's not plan B, that's plan A in the New Testament. That's right, yes, yes, yes. And and sometimes, you know, I... I, I, um, I used to do a lot of hospital work. We had a, 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 um, a Christian um, psychiatric chain of treatment centers that I headed up. And, and people would, you know, check into the hospital. 
And they had gone through a long time of just, you know, their, whatever their issue is, they're just asking God to heal them and heal them. And, and, but they haven't worked his plan. And so I, you know, it's akin to, if you have an infected finger, you don't amputate the finger and put it in a drawer with a book on anatomy. <laughs> Think about that. No, the book on anatomy says, or on infections says, no, you got to get the finger connected to the body. And then when it's connected to the body, all sorts of stuff begin to happen as each part does its work. And, you know, the heart's going to pump new oxygenated blood there. It's going to bring blood back and it's going to filter it through the liver and the kidneys and all these. And then the lungs are going to do this stuff. And then the immune system is going to go to that infection and it's going to contain it. It's not going to let it get worse. And this incredible metaphor, every seat that is in this place and everybody watching, you have a part to play in somebody's healing and in somebody's thriving. Come on, how about that? God wants to heal somebody's finances here and there is an accountant two rows back are you that accountant? You, look, you looked way too happy to be an accountant. There's an accountant, and you've been asking, how can God use me? And you've been thinking, I gotta learn how to preach. No, you go start a group of helping people get their finances in order. You have a part Come to play in their healing. Yes. So good. There's a mother out there and you're facing the empty nest and you have raised just such, you know, vibrant kids. Do you know how many mothers are in this room that they never were shown how? Their mother was crazy as a loon. <laughs> and you can just put a little email up and says, you know what? I'm gonna start a group where we're gonna support Young mothers, and I've learned a few things, and I'm going to share my wisdom. We're going to go through a book or whatever. Everybody here has a part in healing this body, and healing this body is not turning people into religious people. That's right. Healing this body is, is turning people into people that have vibrant lives that are flourishing in your family and in your career and in, in your hobbies and in your health and all of that. And everybody here brings something to that party that can help. You know what a potluck is? Bring a dish. You've got one. And then you eat of everybody else's. Besides, I learned something this week. I was reminded of something this weekend. I grew up in the South and when I moved to California, I live in Beverly Hills. You know, they, their vegetables out there are so bad. You bite into them and they make a sound. They crunch. Down here, I had some greens yesterday. They were silent and they were so good. <laughs> Y'all know how to cook down here, so I think I've gained 20 pounds or something. So, so Dr. Cloud, I just want to kind of, continue in this vein here. So, so, so 
talk about, you know, Ephesians 4, all about the body, which has been a big chapter for us this year. Um, so good. There, there is order, but everyone's equal. Everyone has a, a, a vital part to play. Talk about... Yeah, try, try to operate without a pancreas. It's not a big thing. <laughs> exactly. You look up pancreatic cancer and it's the deadliest. Okay. You might think you're just a little part because you're not on the stage or whatever. You're vital. Every part is vital. Everybody's vital. Everyone's, everyone's crucial. Everyone's important. Everyone. Except the appendix. We, we don't know why God stuck that in there, but I think it's sort of like, it's sort of like the organist in the church. You know, <laughs> We're done with that. <laughs> I don't know. The B3 is making a comeback. Hey, the B3, that's a different deal. Greg Allman had a B3. Come on. Uh, um, Also in Ephesians 4, it it, it talks about, uh, you know, the the process of, you know, we we were once um, far from God, and so we don't want to act like that anymore, you know, walking as the Gentiles do, alienated from the life of God. And that kind of process what happens to someone when they are dis, disconnected from, from God and the body? Yeah, let me, um, how many of you uh, would say you're a self-made man or a self-made woman? Good, because there ain't no such thing, okay? God's the only self-made one. <laughs> and he wasn't made, he just is. I am that I am. The rest of us had a start. There was a big bang. That's right on the honeymoon, but you came later, right? (laughs) You had a beginning. That means we're not the creator, we're the creature, and we draw life from outside of ourselves. If you don't believe that, hold your breath, and we'll wait on you. (laughs) You can't produce your own. All right, now, listen to this passage. He's talking to believers, the passage the pastor just quoted. He's, and he says, don't be like the Gentiles, you know, the pagan, the, those who are far from God. Don't be like them because you can be like them even as a believer. And he says, they're darkened in their understanding. In other words, they're not getting it, the ways of God. And then it, it goes through this progression and, and it says, they're separated from And Stovall said the phrase, they're separated from the life of God. Not separated from God. You've been reconciled to God, but we can be reconciled to God and separated from the life of God. And when we're separated from the life of God, which is which? Everything I just talked about. It's not just church and, you know, religious practices. It's your work. It's your hobbies. It's your relationships. It's your family. It's 360 life. I mean, come on. Remember Israel? God's children? There was only this small group that was the professional ministers. He had the priests. Everybody else had something to do. You know, the, I, I always say, you know, he, he gets paid for being good. The rest of us are good for nothing, right? <laughs> no, we... You, <laughs> God made you to make the world work. Yeah, yes, yes. And so if, if, if our life isn't working, we're separated from God's life, 
Then it says something happens that we get beyond feeling. We can't even feel our longings and our pain. We go numb. Pink Floyd said it best, I have become comfortably numb. We go numb, and maybe you've had pain in your life, or maybe you had abuse, or maybe you had, there's some rough patches that you've gone through, and you pressed on, and you had to press on, but that's never been healed. And now we go numb, and, and, but once we go numb, it says, then we can't even feel what we need. We can't even feel, you know, you see couples, they need to connect. They need the intimacy, but, you know, they come home at night and they individually veg out and then they roll over and they go to sleep. They're comfortably numb and they're missing the life of God that has, he has for them. But then once we become numb, it says that we give ourselves over to something that will make us feel again. It says sensuality is the word that's translated in the English. But it might be, you might, you know, have a porn addiction or a substance problem or, you know, your hobby has become an idol because that's where you just lose consciousness or, you know, vegging out on this or whatever. And then it says, once we, we begin to engage in these activities to try to medicate ourselves, we have a continual lust for more because it never will fill it. It never will fill it. And so what I love about what y'all do is you have built and you are increasingly building a church that's not a religious institution. It is a body where the life of God can be restored and thriving in each family, around each dinner table, which I've been hearing about, and everything else you do. And you know what? When that life is happening, what does life do? Life begets life. And that's what y'all are going to do is you take over the city. Come on, isn't that great? So, and so, Dr. Cloud, we were were talking uh, back in the green room as well, how some people, you know, when you start talking about sin, even even the, the process of facing your sin and like, you know, the the responsibility, maybe, you know, how you've hurt your spouse or your kids, or you're so far from, you know, what you... Can, can I say one more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will you get rid of the religious connotations of sin? Everybody says sin, and everybody feels all of a sudden guilty and condemned. Yeah. The word sin means to miss the bullseye. Yep. That's what the word means in the Bible. It means to miss the mark. That I need to treat my wife like this, but I'm kind of missing it here. I need to treat my kid like this. I kind of missed it today. That's all sin means. Yes. (laughs) And so, so talk about those kind of the, the two types of sin. So there's, there's, you know, we're acting out or behaving in a certain way, but then there's this, this other thing that usually that is very much connected to there. Yeah. It's all connected. Um, if you put sin at the top of a board, you have to draw two columns. If you're going to be redeemed from sin, there's two columns. There's the sin done by you and there's the sin done to you. And in the church, a lot of times all we talk about is the sin done by me. Oh, I gotta be forgiving and I gotta be, you know, whatever it is. 
But the Bible, I don't, I got to go count the pages, what the page count is. I'm pretty sure that it's, you know, probably about the same. Over here is talking about people that have been sinned against, the brokenhearted, the ones that have been abused, the ones whose parents or a parent abandoned them at a young age when they needed more parenting than they got. Those that are, as 1 Thessalonians 5 says, that are weak because the world has not given and equipped and taught them and strengthened them to be able to cope with life. We don't condemn them. It says to help the weak, heal the brokenhearted. If you grew up and you had abuse or if you grew up and you had, you know, perfectionistic demanding parent that was crazy, or if you, you grew up under this stuff, the Bible is very clear. It's got its ways of our healing from the sin done to us. And, and generally, first thing we have to do is confess the sins of our fathers. That breaks the chain. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing wrong with saying, you know what? Dad hurt me. Mm-hmm. And tell somebody how you were hurt. And let them heal that brokenheartedness or that molestation hurt me, or that abandonment hurt me, or poverty ravaged my life. Pour out your heart of what, what the sin that the world, the flesh, and the devil has, has instituted against you, because you gotta be healed for that. And a church that is going to have the life of God in it Amen. has got to be a church that has spaces where people can come and we can confess our own sin because our sin's hurting us. Come on. Spaces. Yes. Spaces. Sacred space. I love yeah. it. And spaces where I can say, I have been hurt. Will somebody help me? And then where there's somebody there that knows what the heck they're doing. Bring some, get somebody in the room in that space that has a clue. Either they've been trained or they've been through it. Those are the only two ways I know. And I, that, I just have to say this on thing, and you know how, how the Lord's table is so precious to us and, 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 and doing that at the family table, also doing it in here, but then we pattern that after the Our Father prayer, which it doesn't just cover one side of sin, so to speak. But we ask the Lord, you know, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And so I just think that it... And you know what, I wanna, this may be a prompting. I wanna pray something for this body. As a picture of the Lord's Spirit, as you said that, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And we're, there is a future kingdom, but thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That kingdom, and what the kingdom is, is any space that God reclaims ground. All right? And so he's going to, in your family around the table... I didn't tell him this. The kingdom. I, he, he, I, haven't, I haven't coached him. I'm just, well, what were you talking keep about? Keep going, keep going. 
Thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come, God, to this dinner table. In other words, maybe we could listen to each other instead of criticize each other. That's kingdom. That's his reign. Okay? And God, have you ever noticed, you know, God, he said you're salt and light. There's no such thing as darkness as a thing. You know what darkness is? It's the absence of light. You can't put darkness in a bottle. You can pull light out of a bottle and it goes dark. It's like there's no such thing as cold. There's the absence of heat. So all you gotta do to transform a family or your own body or a body of a family or a body of a church or a city is where his rulership begins to take over that little space. And, and everybody's wondering, <clears throat> what am I going to do to be religious? Go to Micah. You know, you had sacrifices and we have all these rituals. And God throws up on them. That's in the Hebrew. <laughs> he throws up on them and he said, he says, do you think this is the kind of stuff I care about? All this religious crap? He calls it crap in the New Testament, literally. Literally, Paul says, I count it as dung. He says, I don't care about that. Here's what I care about. This is what it means to know me, to loosen the yoke of the oppressed, to help a widow and to help an orphan and to feed those that all. And then in, in, in Micah, when they're wondering about all this stuff, he said, I don't care about this. He said, let me tell you what I care about. It's been told to you, oh man, he says, what, is good, what the Lord requires is to love justice, to do mercy, and to walk humbly with him. If you have a table and that, t- that family, it's fair for everybody. We all live by the same rules. <laughs> and it's merciful when somebody falls or they need help, somebody's there to pick them up. And each person is humble before God asking, what's my part in this? That's what he asked from us. How about, wow. He, Dr. Cloud, is, he's been so generous with his time. He's been with us all weekend at, at Honey Lake, which has a great uh, booth out there. I'll, I'll share with you guys in a second. But uh, the seminar and today, and he's got to catch a plane uh, to get back to the West West Coast. And so um, I'm going to go eat that stupid, <laughs> healthy food they have. <laughs> don't, don't worry. You know, Dr. Cloud's coming back. He's coming. He's, he'll, he'll be back here. And uh, we love you, Dr. Cloud. Thank you, you so too, much. So. Thank you all for being there. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org. 